The children are going to remain in the service with us this week. Uh, Miss Karen is not here for Children's Church. So the kids will stick with us as we study Proverbs together. Uh, but hopefully it won't be too boring. I'm going to start off with an embarrassing story about me when I was a kid. So maybe that will help sweeten the deal. But let's do pray before we, before we begin to study the Bible together. Would you bow with me? Father, we are so grateful to be your people. And we know that you formed all of creation with your word. You spoke it into existence. And now we know that you, through your word, you still bring new life to us. And you create in us this new identity that you've given us through Jesus. So please do that now. We submit ourselves to your word. Help us to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. So here's the embarrassing story about me when I was a kid. My Aunt Beth loves to tell this story. Odds are good if you've met my Aunt Beth, but Beth Broadway, she does some, some uh, work for the youth in our denomination. She goes to Longs Grove. She may have already told you this story before, but when me and all my cousins were younger, Beth would always recruit us to help her do her church stuff, her church work at Longs Grove and her youth ministry stuff. For example, mailings. So I, I recall one day she got me and a couple of my cousins to help her with a mailing. I guess it was probably inviting people to go to camp or something like that. So one cousin's job was to fold the registration forms. The next cousin's job was to stuff the envelopes with the registration forms. My job, as she explained it to me, was to lick the envelopes and seal them so they'd be ready to mail. But as a kid, I just honestly, apparently wasn't paying very good attention. And all I heard was lick the envelopes. I didn't hear, hear seal the envelopes. So cousin number one did their job well and folded all the registration forms. Cousin number two did his job well and stuffed all the envelopes. I thought I was doing my job well. I licked all the envelopes. And then we went and told Beth that the job was done, and she came in and found them scattered all about the floor, still wide open, and my saliva drying in the wind. Now, is what I did there sinful? Was that sinful for me to have only licked the envelopes, not sealed them, because I didn't fully listen to what my Aunt Beth said? No, it was, I don't think that that was sinful. But was it right? Well, I don't know if you could say it was exactly right either. It wasn't morally wrong or morally right, but it was still a little off. I think it falls into the category of folly. That's an important biblical category. Stupid is another good word for it. Uh, thank you from my mother-in-law. <laughs> Stupid and foolish are synonyms biblically. Now, all sin is foolish. Okay, so, so there is overlap between these two ideas in the Bible, sin and folly. But folly isn't necessarily sinful. I don't, I don't think I was being sinful when I just licked a bunch of envelopes as a kid. But I do think I was being foolish. Now, the good news of Christianity is that Jesus Christ came to set both of these things right for us. So we know, we talk a great deal how he sets things right in terms of our sin. He lived perfectly where we have failed, morally speaking. He never sinned, but he died on the cross in our place to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven and made right with God. No sin record anymore separating us from God. This is the good news of Christianity. But there's another dimension to it 
that we need to consider as we study Proverbs this morning, he also sets us right in terms of our folly. As we grow as Christians, we're not only going to grow more righteous, we're also going to grow more wise. We are going to learn how to live in this world as God created it. We're going to use our words the right way. We're going to do our work the right way. We're going to relate to people in the right way that accords with the way reality actually works. The example I always use, I don't know why this sticks in my mind. It really makes sense to me. If you wanted to paint a wall in your house, you could use a hammer to paint that wall instead of a paintbrush. Like It's not morally wrong for you to try to paint the wall in your house with a hammer. But it is foolish. It's foolish because that's not what a hammer was meant to be used for. That's not how paint was meant to be used. And when we use our words in ways they weren't meant to be used, and relationships in ways they weren't meant to be pursued, and work in ways it wasn't meant to be used, we're being foolish. Maybe also sinful in some cases, but definitely foolish. And when we live in a way that does not correspond with reality as God has designed it, we inevitably experience consequences from that. You can imagine the consequences if you tried to paint a wall with a hammer. We experience consequences when we use our words foolishly, when we make foolish decisions, when we pursue relationships foolishly. We've all experienced that, so we're all on the same page, I think. So Jesus fixes both our sin and our folly. Today we're going to read two Proverbs, both of them designed to help us live by the way God designed reality to to operate. Both of them designed to help us live wisely and not foolishly. The common thread with both of these verses is what I'll call receptivity. Receptivity. And if you're not sure what I mean by that, it'll become clear as we go along. So let's start with Proverbs chapter 10, verse 8. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 8. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. The wise at heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. So we are designed, the way God designed reality Right now, we're not even thinking about morality. We're just thinking about reality. Human beings are designed to receive commandments. And so if you're wise, you'll be receptive to commandments. Being told what to do by authority figures is a huge part of life in this world. It's just a huge part of life. Being told what to do by authority figures, being commanded. So kids have parents. Parents are the God-giving authority given authority figures, and they are right to command their children, and their children, if they're wise, will receive those commandments. Students have teachers, employees have bosses, citizens have government officials, and all human beings have God himself as the ultimate authority, and authority figures command those under their authority. This is, right now, not even explicitly Christian teaching. This is just the way reality works. So the wise person says, I am not the highest authority. I accept that, I recognize that, and so when authority figures command me, I will receive those commands because this is the way reality works. The fool says, nobody's telling me what to do. I am the highest authority. 
Now, that's not just morally wrong. It's foolish. And it's going to lead to trouble. Now, the wise of heart will receive commands. That word receives means to reach out and grab them and take hold of them for yourself. It reminds me of when I first tried to teach my children how to catch a football. Now they probably catch a football better than I can. But, you know, as kids, your first instinct when a football comes at you is to kind of hold your hands just out like this. And the football just, it's almost like you're batting it down to the ground and it doesn't work. And so I always told them, imagine that that football is a baby. I'm throwing you a baby. You got to catch that baby. If there's a baby coming at you, you don't want to slap it down to the ground. You want to get that thing and hug it into yourself. Embrace it. Grab a hold of it and hug it in. They probably heard me say a thousand times, hug it in. Like, grab it. Get it. That's what this word to receive commandments means. Not just let it bounce off your head and dribble onto the ground, but grab that commandment, hug it into yourself. It's for your good because authorities are in place by God's will. Receive them and you'll be wise. Now, the alternative here in the verse, the one way to live according to God's design is to be receptive to commandments. The alternative is to be a babbling fool. Some people foolishly disregard commandments and instead babble like fools and therefore come to ruin. You've heard the phrase, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason because you're meant to listen twice as much as you speak. You've heard that phrase before, right? If you haven't, I just coined it. (laughs) Two ears, one mouth, designed to listen twice as much as you speak. That's not a a biblical saying, but it, it does ring true with what you will read in the Bible. If you'll read through Proverbs from front to back, you will consistently see that foolishness is made apparent by a running mouth. This last week, Meredith and I celebrated our 14th wedding anniversary. And we did so by going out to eat together. Uh, That's what you do when you celebrate, you go eat stuff. And so we went to a restaurant and we were seated right beside a four top, a table with four people eating there. So there's four different people there. My back was turned to them, so I couldn't see them. I know there's four people there the whole time, but I only heard one voice coming from that table. There was one woman that was dominating the discourse at that table. Now, I've been thinking about Proverbs for weeks now, and I don't know her, so I'm not pronouncing judgment on her, but only based on that evidence, I would have to say she very well may be foolish because the Bible is just so clear, even down a couple of verses in verse 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. So folly always shows itself, maybe maybe not always, that's too strong, often shows itself in a running mouth. And wisdom often shows itself in quiet, in restraint, in listening instead of speaking. Foolish babbling can drown out the commands that we're supposed to be processing into obedience. And before you know it, we become more opinionated than we are obedient. And that's dangerous. Somebody I know, a fellow pastor, I was talking to him after a frustrating church meeting the night before, something kind of like our board meetings. Uh, Not that our board meetings are frustrating, but it was that sort of a meeting at that church. And it was frustrating for him. 
because he felt like everybody was talking a lot, had a lot to say, a lot of opinions, but none of it was founded in Scripture very much. And he said, I actually have an idea that I want to try. Next time we meet, I'm going to bring a timer. And when everybody gets there, I'm going to have them write down how many minutes they spent in the Scripture and in prayer that day. And then I'm going to limit them to that same amount of time. That's how much they can speak at this board meeting. <laughs> now, he was joking, but really, that's not terrible. That's not a terrible way to gauge as we think about ourselves here. We want to be more obedient to God's word than we are opinionated with our words. That's wisdom. That's the way it's designed to be. We're designed to listen more than we speak. Otherwise, this proverb says, we'll come to ruin. Now, the next proverb says a similar thing, but in a little bit of a different way. Proverbs ten seventeen. Proverbs ten seventeen. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. But he who rejects reproof leads others astray. So we saw that we are designed to receive commandments. We're also designed to heed instruction. Being taught and instructed by people who know more than we do is a huge part of life. Again, this isn't even distinctively Christian at this point. This is just the way reality works. None of you were born knowing everything. None of you knows everything now. And so the wise person will heed instruction. Your parents taught you. Your teachers taught you and continue to teach you. Odds are good that your managers and bosses perhaps have more experience and knowledge and they have things to instruct you about your work. Experts, authors, doctors. We have people in our lives that know more than we do about things. And if we're wise, we'll learn from them. And of course, ultimately, above all these, is God himself who wants to teach us in his word. The wise person says, I recognize that I don't know it all. And so I'm going to learn everything I can from those who know more than I do. The foolish person thinks, I already know everything I need to know. There's nothing you can teach me. Now, to heed instruction is more than to hear it. Anybody can hear instruction, but the wise person heeds instruction. That means to observe it, to act on what you've been taught, to actually let it help you grow in your thinking and in your living. I have a theory. We talked a little bit about this in Sunday school, actually, just a few minutes ago. I have a theory that we, in our context, we may not need to hear a lot more of God's word. We may need to instead focus our energies on heeding what we've already heard from God's word. Because it's actually pretty dangerous to hear God's word, God's instruction, and continually not learn from it. I'll give you an example. So last week, do you remember what the sermon was about, you who were here? See, people's thinking. Some of you do remember. So it was about Proverbs, and it was about wisdom and diligence, that the wise person does the right work right when the right work needs to be done. You remember all that? Okay, so we all heard that. Now, what did we do with it? 
Did we stop at the hearing level or did we take it to the heeding level? And did it actually change anything about the way we planned our days or our week or the way we went about our work or the way we prioritized? We don't just want to hear, we want to heed. It's very important. We in in the American church have sort of a spiritual eating disorder. You know something would be wrong if you went to all your meals and sat down and just loaded your mouth up with food, and then as you walked away, it just all sort of fell down out of your mouth, onto your chest, and onto the ground. Like, that would be bizarre. You wouldn't eat that way. But we do that with our spiritual nourishment quite a bit. We come to Sunday school. Oh, mm, that's tasty. Tasty lessons from God's Word. Okay, and then church, cram some more in there. And then maybe even have a daily quiet time. Cram some more in there and listen to to uh, some podcasts and get some more crammed in there. But if you don't chew it, swallow it, digest it, metabolize it, it just sort of falls out. And that's not the way it's meant to be. We're meant to heed the instruction that we receive. Now, perhaps one reason sometimes we don't heed what we hear all that well is because we don't like to be reproved. That's the alternative and the contrast in the verse Whoever heeds instruction is on the path of life. That's a wise person. Alternatively, he who rejects reproof leads others astray. Reproof is when someone points out something that's wrong in you. Man, that's hard to take. Does anybody just love it when somebody points out something wrong about you? No, we we do not like this. Now, I want to be clear. Reproof is not the same thing as criticism. So, for example, if you know, we had a great breakfast over there, and let's say I came up in here to preach, and I had yogurt and food, uh, what else do we have, like muffin bits all over my face, and I was trying to preach to you with a straight face, I had no idea that I had this food all over my face. Now, if you wanted to criticize me, you could say to me, or probably more likely to your neighbor, Matt is an idiot. Matt, you're just dumb. You can't even eat. You can't even get it in your mouth. It's all over your face. And then do you not look in a mirror? You didn't even wipe it off, and now you're trying to preach to us. And that's it. That's criticism. Criticism is just pointing out the wrong for the sake of pointing out the wrong. That's not what reproof is. Reproof would be if you came up kind of discreetly and said, Matt, you've got something on your face. I've got a wet washcloth here. We can get it off discreetly. You get right back into your sermon. It's not going to distract anybody. No need to be embarrassed. We're going to get it taken care of. That's reproof. Reproof is loving, lovingly pointing it out and the sincere hope that it'll be corrected and the person will be better for it. Critique tends to build up myself by putting you down, by pointing out what's wrong in you. So I'm not saying we need a bunch of critics, but reprovers we do need. And we need to be open to reproof because the foolish person rejects reproof. The foolish person rejects reproof. Good parents reprove their children. They don't criticize them, they reprove them. Good teachers reprove their students. Good bosses reprove their employees. And God absolutely reproves his people constantly because we are such works in progress. How else will we grow? How else will we learn? How else will we improve in our living? We're designed to heed instruction and accept reproof and thereby just get better at life in this world that God has designed. In fact, in Proverbs, this is a pretty good test. 
If you, if you wonder, am I wise or foolish? This is a pretty good one-question one test. What do you do with reproof? Because you'll, you'll find countless proverbs that show that the fool rejects reproof, but the wise person learns from it. That's almost the definition of wise versus foolish. If we deny that anything's wrong, it's foolish. If we try to justify ourselves rather than learn, it's foolish. If we get defensive and prickly so that nobody dare will come and point out anything wrong with us, it's foolish. Now, what's interesting, if you'll note in that proverb, this doesn't only affect ourselves, it affects other people. It says, he who rejects reproof leads others astray. The wise person remembers that he is always, even if imperceptibly, influencing other people. There's always somebody that looks to you as an example. You may think that can't possibly be true, but there's always somebody that looks to you as an example. A younger Christian looks to you and thinks, well, that must be what Christianity looks like at that age. And even if not looking at you as an example, you always have an, um, an imperceptible peer influence. Your decisions don't just affect you. And what you do with reproof doesn't just reflect, uh, affect you. Now, these are pretty simple truths God's Word has given us this morning. Fools live against reality by babbling foolishly and rejecting reproof. So the question for us here is, do I ever act like a babbling fool? Do I just talk too much and listen too little? Do I reject reproof? Am I so sensitive and defensive when someone who genuinely loves me and is trying to help me points out something wrong that I turn against them or get angry or sullen and sulk? If so, let's go to Jesus and let him move us out of that toward wisdom. We're designed to receive commandments and instruction from God and others. So the question for us here is, are you receptive to commands? A parent, a teacher, a boss, government official, God through his word or through spiritual authorities in your life, communicates a command to you, are you receptive to it? Do you take hold of it for yourself and adjust your life accordingly? Do you heed instruction? Do you typically learn as opposed to thinking you already know? That's wisdom. That's who we're becoming. As we continue to grow as Christians, we're going to get more and more receptive to commands, more and more teachable to instruction. So let's go to Jesus this week. Let's let him not only transform us from our sinfulness, but let's let him transform us from our folly. Let's let him not only equip us to be more righteous, but also more wise. Now we're going to pray together. I encourage you to just take a little bit of time to reflect on this passage so that it doesn't just fall out of your spiritual mouth onto the floor, but so we can absorb it and be transformed by it. Would you bow with me? Father, help us just take a moment to let this settle in, what we've read in your word, settle into our thinking and our being in our hearts.
Thank you for being such a patient father as we learn and grow in wisdom. Please help us find real-life, daily, practical ways to live out this wisdom you've taught us this week. Help us to be wisely receptive to commands and instruction. In Jesus' name, amen.